0: You hear tales from the remote parts of our world about legendary names and great adventures. But can they be true? The Black Hoof Saloon presents a tall tale audio drama, a short story fan fiction from the West by a Wild West Exodus community member. Battle for Deadwood Gulch, authored by Benji Grosick.
1: Jake let out a long, low moan as he blinked his eyelids. There was a large fog that was surrounding his head, and his heart beat like the sound of a drum in his temples. His eyes couldn't focus through the fog that surrounded his head, and they blinked again. He rested on a cot on the edge of the makeshift camp. Each heavy blink allowed him to assess the world around him. He noticed K-Free working on some iron horses. Again, the heavy eyelids closed, as a drum in his temples kept banging, he opened his eyes again to see Totem cleaning and preparing his medical tools on a sterile white tablecloth. The weight of his eyelids closed, and then opened to see Hicks Kincaid tearing down the campsite. The trees spun around him as he put his good foot down on the ground in an attempt to keep the world from spinning. It was a good attempt, but the grove of maple and oak trees kept spinning. He kept his eyes closed and his foot on the ground to get the sky to stop spinning. After a moment to collect himself, he slowly opened his eyes. This time, when he opened his eyes, he saw Flowing River looking at him quizzically and way too close for his liking. He fell backward from the cot and managed to get on all fours to expel the contents from last night.
2: Is he poisoned?
1: Flowing River asked in her blunt, monotone voice.
0: That's just his body trying to expel the toxins from all the alcohol he drank last night. Replied Sun Totem. From the sounds of it, he's had what's called the hangover.
1: Sun Totem stared down at the man heaving and moving groggily. You're really enjoying this, aren't you? Jake said while wiping his mouth. He attempted to get to his feet, but staggered a little and then dropped back down to all fours as the world spun around
0: him. From what I understand, Everyone at the Black Hoof Saloon enjoyed a copious amount of alcohol last night. Did you manage to blow all of your share from our last job in one night of drinking and fun?
1: Santorum asked quizzically while he sorted and organized his medical supplies.
0: Unfortunately, there isn't much I could do medically to help you with your current condition. Perhaps Kayfri has some coffee to help with your head.
1: Sun Totem stated as he cleaned a set of scalpels before gently placing them into a leather-strapped carrying case. Jake knew it was going to be a long day as he looked around the camp for a bit of hair of the dog. He crawled across the camp on all fours for a bottle of wine that was sitting on the ground. He greedily grabbed the green bottle, swirled it around to see if any of the contents remained, Hoping for anything to help with the pounding, Jake sat up to drink the last remaining liquid, but before the bottle touched his lips, it was quickly pulled away. Uh, 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 Captain's orders. No alcohol for you this morning, said Hicks Kincaid, snatching the bottle away from Jake's hands. Hicks leaned in with a smirk on his face. I heard someone had a
2: very pleasant time last night. Rumor has it that your singing with the piano player, Eric, was so
1: divine that everyone who heard it will forever
2: remember your angelic voice.
0: (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've been known to sing a pretty tune from time to time, whether it's in my voice or singing shots with Barry. Besides, that feller Eric was good people. I think you would rather enjoy his company. Don't know why you and Zarela didn't come into town with us last night. Jake said as he reached out and grabbed the bottle of wine from Hicks and slammed the remaining liquid. Jake coughed and sputtered and tossed the empty bottle across camp. The small camp was set up on the outskirts of town in a nice, cool, wooded area. Very rarely did they set up camp in town. Something about reputation, a war, and a strange mix of people that drew too much attention when they stayed in towns. Where is our beloved captain anyway? Jake looked around the camp for any signs of the wayward eight leader. Free looked up from the iron horse she was working on. They went on patrol this morning before we head out across the plains to Deadwood. He didn't seem too happy about something. He muttered something about a bartender at the saloon you were at. Sound like it was an interesting time you had, she said with a smile on her face. She extended her hands with a bent cup of dark liquid. Her hands were oil-stained and grimy, yet she was able to complete the most delicate of procedures to keep all of their vehicles up and running. Right before she handed him the cup of liquid, she hesitated. Hold on, just one second, she said with a little doubt in her voice she pulled the metal cup up to her nose and gave a deep smell of the liquid. She quietly and quickly retraced her steps to grab a different cup. Yeah, that one was oil. And now this one is coffee. Her bubbly voice chimed as she handed him that different cup. Jake's eyes stayed closed as he enjoyed his cup of coffee, the wind blowing in the trees while the others prepped the camp and their gear. In the distance, he could hear the sounds of iron horses coming closer to camp. He kept his eyes closed to keep the world from spinning. He figured the world couldn't spin if he didn't see it. He took another large gulp of the Black bitter as Iron Horses came closer. He heard the three Iron Horses come to a stop and Cape Free's bubbly voice. Oh, hey, Captain. Everything here is shiny. Well, almost everything. Jake could hear the spurs on the large boots start walking towards him. He still kept his eyes shut. The steps came closer until they finally stopped beside him. Jake slowly opened his eyes to see the leader of the Wayward Eight standing above him with a look of anger in his face. Jake stammered out, Oh, hey, Mark. Whoa! Before the man could even finish speaking his name, the leader had grabbed him by the shirt and pulled Jake to his feet. The almost empty coffee cup clanged across the ground, filling the dark liquid. Do
0: you know why we were out on patrol
1: this morning? Marcus asked him through clenched teeth. Jake took a moment to think. Because it's purdy morning? Marcus let go of the obviously confused man who fell to the ground. Jake landed on his ass and let out a little grunt.
0: Do you remember anything from last night? Anything about that bartender? Anything about the Black Hoof Saloon? Marcus
1: asked his teammates. Jake took a moment to think. Oh, yeah. That nice guy from Texas. Brian. Real smart about the world. Jake's face lit up. He kept buying me drinks and listening to everything I had to say. Sierra, who was just joining the conversation, took a moment to adjust her flowing clothing after riding the iron horse. She looked at Jake and asked,
2: Don't you think
0: I'm a little too friendly?
1: Jay quickly snapped back at Marcus and Sierra. Ain't nothing wrong with someone showing me a little respect and chatting things up with me. Marcus quickly responded.
0: There is if that same nice man from Texas is an agent in the Infernal Investigations.
1: Marcus had a definite look of frustration on his face.
0: You of all people should know that we don't need anyone getting their nose in our affairs. Consider this a warning. If you can't keep your mouth from yapping every time you drink, then maybe you need to think about who you're drinking with. Jake quickly stood up in a defiant stance
1: face-to-face to Marcus. Everyone in the camp started to gather around the two men with an aura of tension from them, radiating like a star. Sierra quickly interrupted the staring
2: contest. The bartender wasn't the only person you got friendly with last night, was it, Jake? <sighs> Free chimed in.
0: Oh, please do tell. How
1: scandalous. Marcus quickly raised an eyebrow in intrigue.
0: Please don't tell me. He stated,
1: No, nothing like that. She was the cutest and gentlest woman I'd ever met. I tried to kiss her, but she turned me down every time. Her name was Tanya. Jake said to the crowd, Sierra quickly added,
2: Especially since she had an Adam's apple.
1: The group around the camp laughed except for Marcus and Flowing River. Marcus held a hand up, speechless, raising a few fingers, and tried to mouth some words before he brought his hand to his mouth and rested his chin in his hand to keep him from talking. Flowing River looked at Totem inquisitively.
0: It means that she was actually a he. My, what an interesting day it's turned out to be, Totem stated. Sierra quickly
1: interjected the cast of the camp.
0: It's okay, Jake. His name was Tom, and he was the madam of the Black Hoofs Saloon, and very attractive. Quite the charming fellow from Pennsylvania. If I remember correctly, he suggested you find someone in Deadwood at Saloon Number 10, a firecracker named Jane.
2: Sir, we need to be leaving shortly to make sure we meet our contact at the appropriate time. I enjoy the stories of the Black Hoof Saloon a great deal, but we do have a job.
1: Zerelda said to the group... Marcus snapped back to reality and began giving orders for the group to break down camp and get ready to head west to the Black Hills of Dakota and head to Deadwood. Without hesitation, Hicks gave a shout out.
0: So long, Black Hook Saloon. It has been interesting.
1: Walks-looking paused at the top of the ridge. Raven's Eye walked beside her silently. The two had been walking the ridges surrounding the plains of Bear Butte. The tribe had been camped at the base of the butte for about a month now. The sacred ground is just northeast of Boulder Canyon, the entryway into Deadwood. The two walked along the ridge, approaching three mercenaries walking slowly towards them. Their black silhouettes hidden from the view of the tribe encamped at the base of the butte. The black shapes began to take form, Marcus Wayward leading the group with a dark-skinned woman on his left and a very graceful woman on his right.
2: Good evening, Mr. Wayward. I hope your travels were smooth,
1: Walks looked and said
0: to the leader of the mercenary crew. As smooth as the Badlands can make them. Beautiful country this is, but you didn't ask us to travel all this way to discuss the sights and views.
1: Marcus said plainly, then quickly grimaced at the thought of who he was talking with. He had just asked a woman with bandanas over her eyes about the scenic beauty of the land.
2: This land is sacred to my people, Mr. Wayward. There is beauty and peace in this land. There was at least.
1: The leader of the Warrior Nation
2: calmly replied, That was until everyone understood the riches that... This land had to offer. The war is over. And now Deadwood is starting to explode. With excitement. The earth is being torn. Into for the precious metals. That lie within. The hard work of men. And women. In the mines have been replaced. By the monstrosities. Of Carpathian. Who can work harder. And longer than even the most skilled miner. To the west we have heard of ones not from this world fighting over Devil's Peak. Both the light and dark invaders are drawn to that formation. The once beautiful hills are now filled with darkness and evil. It seems that the war that your kind fought in the east has come to our sacred lands.
1: Her hand was held up to trace the hills on the horizon.
2: Tell me, Mr. Wayward, did you fight on the winning or losing side of the war? Funny thing about war as we know it,
0: there will always be people who try to put it into words to define a war. Men and women can fight wars, bury the dead, and try to rebuild them from it, but they will never, ever be able to leave it. Words come and go from our lungs into the air to be taken into the winds. Words can be written onto treaties, but you and I both know that those signed papers are worthless. Of course, people want to come home to Deadwood to start over, to make themselves new after they lost so much from the war. They can change names, clothing, even how they talk, but they cannot ever change what the war did to them. We may try to live our lives as normal as possible, but we'll always carry war with us. Marcus stated it in reply. For some of us, all we know is war and the scars it leaves on our souls. Fighting those wars over and over in our minds, bodies and souls are all we know. Every day that we're breathing, we're winning the wars that they're raging inside. So yes, I fought in the war. Yes, I was on a side but the fact I'm here talking with you proves something.
1: He took a second to collect his thoughts and glanced to Zerelda and Flowing River at his
0: side. Once, a wise man told me that we all have two wolves fighting in our souls, a good one and a bad one. The
2: one we feed is the one that wins. Not all of us have two wolves.
1: Walks said, with a certain shortness in her words. She walked towards Flowing River.
2: One day, I would like to spar with you.
1: She held her knife out, pointing it at Flowing River. The mercenary stared at the Warrior Nation boss and nodded as a sign of respect.
0: I'm sure there's lots of people who would pay good money to see that, Marcus stated. Speaking of money, what is our job?
2: I want you to take me into the hills. I want you to escort me to see exactly what evil... Befalls my people's holy land A large force Of my people would cause more Unrest to the Delicate nature of the peace we have Achieved I don't want the union To hunt us more than they Already do if we were To be blamed for an attack On the lawless brigades That habitat The streets of Deadwood You have an elite force Of people at your disposal and we need to move fast, quick, and have little to no questions. Something about these hills are drawing my people from all over the country to converge.
1: Waxlooking looking said with a certain firmness in her voice,
2: I will meet you in your camp in a couple of hours. I have business to attend to with Raven's Eye and my tribe.
1: Walks looking said as she walked away from the group of mercenaries. When the two ladies from the Warrior Nation were out of hearing distance, Flowing River stated calmly,
2: She isn't looking for people. She is looking for part of her.
1: We all are, Marcus said. He turned and started back to the camp.
0: We're all looking for a part of us that we lost or was taken from us. Thank you for listening to our audio drama of A Tall Tale, and we hope you enjoyed the yarn. This has been a Black Hoof Saloon production. Till next time, take it easy.